Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for tuning in for another edition of the Richard Listens podcast. Today, I am excited to have uh, a friend and um, exciting guest. Uh, the topic that we've all been following the coronavirus and quarantine and its impact on athletes. So, uh, this one will particularly hit home and should be uh, hopefully an indicator of perhaps the trends that we will see coming post May 15th. Uh, and all the questions that we've been facing, how are athletes dealing with the quarantine? Uh, how do they deal with diagnosis uh, of corona or symptoms in their families? So I'm excited to bring to you uh, today, uh, not only uh, any athlete, but a champion of the UFC and MMA. He is also known as the American Cyborg. He holds a record of uh, 21 wins and five losses. And he has also um, been a champion in Bellator welterweight division. And now I've been fighting for several years for the UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship. He is also a sensei and teaches uh, young children and adults through Tiger Shulman uh, Dojo in Manhattan. And so um, without further ado, I'll be introducing Mr. Lyman Good. As always, check me out on Instagram, Richard Listens. And please, if you haven't already, go to the patreon.com slash Richard Listens page. It means so much, all of you who are following, who are supporting and contributing in any way. And it enables us to bring this content and these quality guests to you. Without further ado, I'll be welcoming Mr. Lyman Good. How you doing, Lyman? I got it. What's going on, Richard? How are you? Good, good, good. I'm at my school right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you can see. If not, oh, look at this. People get to see. This is Tiger Showman, New York City? Yes. It's in uh, the Chelsea area, 22nd Street down, uh, downtown Manhattan. So, I'll give you guys a little, little tour. A little tour? Yeah. Are you still are you still giving virtual classes to your students? Oh, there's there he, there's a star. 
<laughs> Craig says, say hi to everybody. <laughs> Speak. Speak. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start as of next Monday. We'll start doing uh, Zoom classes. That's incredible. Yeah, I think it's a good way to get back in touch with everybody, create a sense of some normalcy, because I do miss my students, and um, you know, I'm more than sure that they also miss training and the atmosphere of the school. So we're doing what we can to the best of our abilities during these times, you know, trying to make it work. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining us today. We've been, uh, you know, reaching out to, to you and your people for a long time, and I know you've had uh, quite a whirlwind with um, your most recent fight. How many times has it been uh, canceled? And, and, and I think you've had four different locations. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're from Barclays Center to God knows where, to an island, to a volcano, for all I know. <laughs> You know, at the end of the day, you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff, you, you have to be flexible. You know, it's regardless of it being due to a pandemic, there's also other instances where sometimes there's, uh, you know, like a last minute change up of plans. If, uh, if a fighter gets injured, you know, usually there's a switch up with your opponent. If uh, there's an injury, you know, if, uh, for whatever reason, you got to be switched to another card. So it's not necessarily new, you know. With Did that uh, happened, that happened on your November second fight as well. That your your opponent, you had to change your opponent at the last minute. Yeah, we had a switch up. I think it was two weeks prior. But yeah, you know that's another example. You just got to be flexible and be okay with the changes, you know. So that takes new definition to any time, anywhere, right? You got you have to be ready. The preparation yeah. all the time. Yeah. So I, you know, I know you've been very public. We saw we saw the interview on TMZ Sports, and this has been, uh, you know, a troubling time for the whole country. I know myself. I was hit right as uh, the quarantine began with uh, pretty heavy fevers, and I know my family was concerned. We saw your name flash across ESPN that uh, you had been through uh, some of the symptoms of of Corona. Uh, what's that been like for you to be, you know? public about this experience and and having you know fought through it and now be back mentally ready and physically ready to, to fight again um it was a decision that my my management and myself uh came with to um we decided to go public about it but to wait a little bit till um for two things for one for the april 18th card to to launch because I didn't want to be the reason why there would be a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of public bashing towards the event trying to, you know, happen in the middle of this pandemic. And yet one of its athletes, you know, happened to get it. So I didn't want to be the, you know, one of the things to put uh, a hindrance to, the, to that plan. And the other was also because we wanted to wait till I, I beat this thing, which I was very positive I was going to, so that there was a different sense of the story when I go public with it. And it was, not the story of me catching it, but more rather the story of me beating it. Because we hear too many voices from the other side. The other side being the side of fear, the side of those who haven't got it yet, the side of society that is misinformed and doesn't know a lot about this, you know, and uh, rightfully so, they're afraid because of the lack of knowledge that there is out there about this thing. But I figured, you know, it'd be a good way to, to also use my platform and my reach to publicly come out and let everybody know, hey, you know, I got it, just like, you know, thousands of other people and 
also thousands of other people who beat this thing. So did I, you know, so I wanted to shed a little bit of a positive, you know, uh, light to this whole thing. I didn't there, wanna... is a, there is an awful lot of positive uh, coming out of it. Um, and, and, and as an athlete, you're right, the preparing the care you give to yourself. I mean, how much of that tied into how you handled even overcoming uh, this, you know, this illness? It feels like there was layers to it, you know. I mean, in essence, my spirit is always the, the martial artist spirit. You know, that mentality that no matter what, always fight through everything, always be tough, always be positive and know that you're going to get through things. You know, just like this, you know, everything else in life is a challenge. It's just another, you know, it's an obstacle. And you have to meet obstacles with the right mindset because it'll either make or break. If your mindset is destructive, you know, and it's uh, negative, then you're gonna have a hard time getting to challenges. Um, I feel like my inner, you know, essence of martial arts is what kicked in to get me through this as well, you know, mentally speaking. As far as physically, I think uh, a lot of my training that I was doing already did help me because I, was, I wasn't, you know, in great shape, ready for the April 18th card. And then I think it kind of held me over and it helped me to kind of, you know, get through the symptoms and you know, kind of beat this thing as well. So I did have a little bit of a head start in terms of, you know, maybe fighting this thing. But at the end of the day, you know, there's also, if you realize there's a high uh, recovery rate for this thing as well, you know, whether you're a fighter or not. But I think what's more important besides, you know, the body, because the body's going to do what the body does. You know, we can't control that. It'll fight the disease no matter what. It's more of the mindset. And I feel like that's where really the problem is and that's an ulterior pandemic that's happening in the midst of this pandemic of the, the virus you know it's the pandemic of the mind and the war we're creating with ourselves being locked down in our apartments right now in our homes yeah it, it's a really important thing and i know uh you know just reading all the psychology the psychologists in a facebook group it's like that, that's enough to send me overboard after 30 minutes of that yeah. chat can't, can't imagine for you, like, what, how you feel about all this, man. It's crazy. You know, and, and, and it's been a great opportunity to, to treat people on the front line, uh, doctors, social workers, and, and how much anxiety and uh, what they steps they have to go through just to feel comfortable at night, that they're physically and emotionally safe. Yeah. Um, but you really highlighted, right, that the champion's mentality uh, applies to all situations and the mind-body connection, how your body responds to messages of, you know, uh, resilience of I'm going to fight this and take an approach to dealing with this illness like I would to anything else in life. Um, you know, so was there any part of you, I mean, we're still human beings, there's still disappointment. I mean, I'm, I know this was an event that a lot of fighters, you know, you, you, you look forward, you prepare, you set your sights on a goal. Uh, was there initially like a little bit of like, like even even myself as an athlete who takes really great care of myself um, can get exposed to this or, you know, a little frustration that, that you know, in, in having to share that athletes also can come in contact with Corona? Um, I think, you know, one of the things when I when, when I started doing the interviews and I went out public to let everyone know about it was to give, you know, to allow myself this sense of vulnerability because there's so much, it's almost taboo, like to even speak of it at this point, but there's, you know, so much 
negative lights around the, the, you know, the virus and catching it and so much imminent fear just towards it that it's almost like if you got it, there's almost like a sense of shame to it. You know what I mean? Like, so that's another reason why I wanted to go public. Let everyone know, like, hey, listen, I fucking got it. You know, there's a lot of people. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't pick or choose status in life. You know, who you are, what you do. We're all human beings. And I think this is a reminder of that as well. So no matter who you are, you know, in this planet, we're all human beings at the end of the day. You got to be grateful for uh, every day that we walk on this earth, you know. Um, what was what was the other thing? You know, I think the other thing too was support. I, I did yeah. have a lot, of, a lot of support going into this, you know, and uh, a lot of it was actually from the UFC. From Dana White, yeah, he called me. Yeah, he called me up himself. Sean Shelby from the UFC had called me up himself as well, and they they were both, you know, very concerned. They wanted to make sure I was okay. They were looking out for me. They weren't, you know, thinking. You know, uh, they, they weren't thinking in dollar bills or, you know, as far as running the show and keeping the show going, as most people think. You know, he was straight up just telling me, listen, you know, I hope you feel better. If you need anything, we're here for you. You know, don't worry about the fight. You know, the fight will happen when you, whenever you're healthy and you're ready. But the more important thing is that, you know, you get your health together and you get back to 100%. Let us know if you need anything. And that's and a positive. This is coming from Dana White himself, you know. Yeah. And that's really positive to hear that from the top of the organization. I know that they, you know, lost revenue and had to cancel events, uh, you know, across the country. And and a lot of people stigmatize uh, UFC, right? Oh, it's not, right? it's, it's, it's inhumane, right? It's just gladiators out there. But um, yeah. it's good to hear that, you know, the athletes are valued and health is valued at a time like this when the chips are down. Uh, that, that you jump, you beat me to the punch about what the what kind of support the UFC is offering uh, at times like these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they were very supportive. You know that. Um, again, going into the you know the the fear of the virus, it's it's strange because there's 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 almost like different types of fear towards it because there's a fear of physically actually getting it, and then the fear of like how you'd be treated if he had it, you know, it, it was strange. I went through a, a strange, I, I'm not going to lie, but I told you I felt a little, you know, uncertain about going public with it because at the same time, like, I didn't want there to be a negative, uh, you know, a negative light towards me as an athlete or as a person. But I think once you get over that, you start to realize, like, hey, there's a lot of people that actually support, you know, what, what's happening. And there was a, a, a lot of good that came out of it because, what I was surprised by after, after going public was that a lot of people were reaching out to me on social media. And it, I was actually surprised by this. I, I didn't think this was, uh, was going to happen. And they were reaching out to me to ask me for, you know, for like mental help, asking me how, how I coped with it because either they're going through it or they know a relative who's very ill, you know. So me, go, me putting myself out there actually kind of allowed an avenue of communication, you know, between me and maybe other people who are afraid to reach out. They're reaching out to me and asking me, you know, for any kind of help, whether it's just emotional support, if it's asking questions because they're curious what it's like. That's another um, message that I was getting a lot from people. They just wanted to know. They were curious. Oh, what, what is it like? You know, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of putting a little bit of light 
and scrutinizing a little bit of the fear behind this disease by just letting people know, you know, what it was, how it felt that I beat it and that, you know, everything would be okay. Yeah, and it's amazing. They can look to you, a role model, and they can say, you know, yeah, they can look for you. What are the coping skills? What are ways I can be stronger? Because you're touching upon so many things, stigma, shame, uh, you know, people we know with, with mental illness are always afraid to, to identify that they've ever been depressed, they've ever been anxious, right? A lot of teen athletes come to me the minute the parents hear that there's anxiety in the conversation. I say, no, what does anxiety have to do with performance? Right. So, you know, they, they want to compartmentalize that we always have to be this physically, mentally focused warrior. And the truth is, uh, you know, warriors go to internal battle uh, as well. Um, and they go through trials and tribulations uh, to be where they are. Uh, my next question for you, Lima, was how, 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 do, how does an athlete stay motivated through through a quarantine or uh, coming out of uh, you know, so much fear and, and so much stress surrounding their, their sport. I think I'm fortunate enough to have two, um, I, don't, I wouldn't know what you would call it, but basically two reasons or two purposes that I feel that I serve aside from the fact that I fight and I fight for a living and I do that for myself is that I'm also a, an instructor and I teach people for a living. So that I don't do for myself, that I do for others. So I have something that's selfish on one end and something else that's selfless, that's giving. So those are the two reasons to tell myself like, listen, we gotta get through this because A, I have, you know, I have to get back out there. I have to, you know, go back to the battlefield, heal up, you know, almost like a soldier's mentality. Like, all right, you got shot, pull that bullet out, you know, dig it out from your thigh or wherever it landed. <laughs> Catch it up. We got work to do. And then the other mindset was, listen, like, this is, you know, not the time to be complaining, you know, not the time to be weak. Let's beat this thing and let's get back out there because students depend on you. And there's people that are looking up to you. We got to, you know, show them all the way. We got to show them how to be positive, you know, not going into the, the fear of it and not just being positive because we haven't caught it. But if you caught it, all right, big fucking deal. Like, we could still be positive afterwards because look at me. You know, I, I beat it and life goes on. It'll be okay. Yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's another victory. It's another triumph yeah. when we overcome, you know, something this scary. And it's mostly scary. Like you said, there's so much that goes into uh, I'm giving a presentation to athletes who've lost their season, the unknown, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's, it's, it's a form of grief, which in general people are, are you know, really scared by and, and, and uh, we, we got the dog coming in, <laughs> Some, somebody in the studio. Uh, for those of you listening by audio, Lyman is, is present in his uh, dojo at Tiger Showman's in Chelsea, New York. Uh, he's got his two belts above his head. Which are those two? Are those, are those yours? My, Bell my Bellator championship belt that I won back in 2010 from the Bellator tournament. And what I got underneath it is a CFFC title, the Challenge of Champions. The, uh, Cage Fury Fighting Championship, though. Wow. Yeah, we got some other ones laying around. Uh, martial arts, Hall of Fame thingy. God forbid if someone tries to break in, it's also a weapon. Got my dog. He's just 
patiently there waiting. Oh, that's great. I was going to say, of all the photos you sent over, the picture with you and the dog, I was like, that's the happiest <laughs> you look. <laughs> yeah, it's my baby right there. <laughs> a lot of people have been saying their animals during the quarantine started acting a little bit like uh, clingy or different. Mm -hmm. Do you notice any changes? Yeah, he's he's a lot. I mean, he's always a good dog, but he's like extra sweeter. It's almost like he appreciates all the time that my girlfriend and I are spending with him because we're usually we're in and out on a normal day, you know, so um, we don't get to spend as much time with him. Oh, he's he's loving it. He's loving his quarantine. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like another walk, another walk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, you mentioned uh, being in the studio and starting uh, some Zoom classes for your students coming up. We're probably anxious at home and miss, missing their martial arts outlet. Do, do you see any changes to the sport in the short run? Uh, and has your training camp, uh, is it going to look the same or what changes will there be? So there'll be obvious restrictions towards my training camp, um, you know, due to the virus and the fact that I already got it, you know, now I, I know, all right, it's, you know, we got to be careful and really tighten up, um, you know, certain safety precautions. Um, so I kind of have my, my um, method of training pretty much outlined and I know how I'm going to go about it because I am looking to fight very soon. As a matter of fact, I'm in talks right now with my management and uh, I was discussing with Malky, who's, uh, who's my manager, and Abe, you know, they work together. And we're looking to do something in June, uh, as early as, uh, yeah, probably mid-June we're looking. So we got to do that. But in the meantime, I also want to do something for my students. Like I said before, you know, I'm a fighter, but I'm also a teacher. And um, this is a fight that we all stick to together. So while I'm doing something for me to get ready, as far as training, I'm going to do something for my students as well to get them training, help them get through, the, through these times. That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, I'm sure they were concerned and relieved that you're on the healthy track. Uh, you know, did they, did they uh, all follow your career? Or did, did some of them come out and watch when you fight locally? Yeah, no, absolutely. I have, uh, we're, we're very, I've got a very close-knit um, you know, connection with my students. It's very, it's very close knit, very family oriented. So we've been talking throughout this whole process. You know, I, I message them every now and then, ask them how's everyone doing, is everyone healthy, everyone good. Um, yeah, they, there's such a strong support system that I have amongst my students. It's, it's amazing, and I'm, I'm truly blessed to have you know that kind of support from from my students. And, and your relationship to Tiger Strowman, did you, was this uh, the, the dojo you grew up in? And, uh, you know, what does it mean for you to be a sensei now uh, at Tiger Strowman? There's a strong sense of pride that comes with it because Tiger, the, the man himself, uh, Danny Shulman, and his brother, Ron Shulman, they've both been a very crucial element in my upbringing you know, since I first started training about, you know, 17, 18 years ago. And they've been mentors to me. They've been like fathers, you know. So for me to represent the school, for me to go out whenever I fight, you know, to wear my flag proudly, you know, there's definitely a strong sense of pride that goes behind it. Um, you know, and it's, it's also a, a sense of gratitude to be able to give back because I've learned so much from them and I've learned – so much throughout the years, you know, growing up through Tiger Showman's, that it's it, it feels great to be able to pass that on, and, you know, and give it to other people because I'm sure the way it's helped me, 
you know, all I can hope for is that it'll help, you know, one of my, at least one of my students. If I can make one change in somebody's life, then I feel like I did my job. But if I'm able to do that, you know, for as many people as I can, for the people who follow me and support me and all of my students, then even better. That's beautiful. Yeah, my, as, a, as a student of martial arts myself, uh, I can just say that the, the gift of having a place to go, a studio that's safe, uh, and an instructor that's uh, there for you and pushing you is, uh, it's a tremendous way of giving back. And, uh, you know, uh, we're thankful for you being there, uh, providing that. I know that a lot of kids are jumping off the walls physically. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're waiting for your Zoom classes. The parents are going to be thanking you more. They're waiting, yeah. The parents, I think the parents are more excited about it than the kids. <laughs> Well, it's very confusing. You know, you miss, you know, you can take them out and do stuff in the driveway, but without playing with, or being in a class with other kids, there's something that you lack without having an opponent, uh, yeah. you know, and I'm sure you, you experience that as well when you can, you don't have a, a sparring partner or someone to train with, uh, at some point you plateau. Yep. It's very true. And, and uh, Tiger Shulman is, uh, is all over the, the New York area. How many, how many schools? So in, in New York, we have, we have two. It's this location, and we have the Gramercy location. It's not far from here. It's on 23rd Street. It's about a few blocks from here. Uh, aside from that, we have locations in Brooklyn, in Queens, uh, Long Island, Staten Island, and we populate a lot of the tri-state area. We also have uh, locations in Pennsylvania. We have close to a little under 50 locations, but a big portion of them are in New Jersey. And we have several throughout the, uh, spread out throughout the tri-state area. As far as Manhattan, we have only two. This one and the other school that's on Gramercy on 23rd Street. Yeah, well, it's terrific. And I, I really hope, I know people probably stuck in their apartments are waiting for that outlet and thankful that you're back. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. um, so send, send that bat signal out to everybody. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Do you have a release date yet for uh, the classes? Yeah, or Monday. Next um, Monday, yeah. Great, be happy to to blast that when you when you get the link thank up. Yeah, thank you. Put it in the show notes for all all the people out there who want to get a class with Lyman and uh, think they're ready for a MMA caliber workout. <laughs> we'll see. All they need is a little, you know, four by four area. Get some gloves on ready, or you don't even need gloves. Just a little bit of space, a little room to kick around. You know, and don't do it near anything that's expensive in your apartment or in your house. <laughs> and we're all good to go. So we need that in our in our mindset. You know, our minds uh, up and ready to train. Yeah, you you really uh, are focused on the champion and and the fighter's mindset. Uh, how do we teach you know young men to get over fears to to understand that there are these things in the world that we don't understand or that we're scared of, and yet still show up to improve themselves, and not run from it. I think there's, it's a, it's a two-fold system. You know, you can't just talk about it. You can't just tell your kid, stop being scared. Because, you know, words don't sink in, you know, just by telling someone to do something or be someone that they're not. So it's a matter of having the right atmosphere. So that's why during, you know, the kids' class, we, you know, we, we do a lot of, we encourage students, you know, to either raise their hands or to do little things, little bits at a time that, will elicit a little bit of fear because everyone has, you know, a natural fear of public speaking or doing something in public. 
So we encourage students to raise their hands to come up and demonstrate. So doing that a lot of times over a period of time starts to chip away at that fear that, you know, most kids tend to have when they're younger. Um, that's one. And the other is to talk about it, you know, at the end of the classes, we have discussions. So this way we kind of, you know, uh, finish strong with a good, either a story or we'll just have, you know, a straight up conversation with them. Talk to them like they're adults, man. The kids, kids understand just as much as adults understand too. You know, you got to let them know what fear is. You got to also normalize it in a sense where to let them know, don't be afraid of it. Don't run from the fear. Fear is okay. Sometimes fear is a good thing because it encourages us to have courage. And courage really is what you do in the face of fear. You know, a lot of people think that we have to avoid fear. Everyone fucking feels fear. I feel fear going into the fights. You know, um, soldiers go, you know, they feel fear going out to the battlefield. There's fear everywhere. But the what we need to learn is in spite of that fear, go out there and do what you got to do. So we try our best to really kind of push, you know, those key points to the kids. And a lot of it, honestly, is it's just demonstrations whenever we line up the kids you know myself or my other instructor who teaches them we'll do a demonstration on the bag and then we'll turn around and be like all right who wants to come up and demonstrate in front of everyone you know obviously all the kids are like oh shit like, <laughs> not me not me <laughs> but then they, they get excited they're like okay and then they raise their hands and then they'll come up and then the other kids will see that one of them what you know came up and demonstrated that it's not me always demonstrating all the time because of course i feel comfortable here this is my natural habitat but if we could get a lot of you know the kids themselves to come up and do their demonstrations uh to give speeches whenever we give uh, award belts sometimes we allow the you know the kids or the students to come up and give like a little speech you know to kind of give them the the floor you know so that they overcome that fear you know, little things like that. I think it's, like I said before, it's a two-fold system. We discuss it. We talk about what it is. We describe it. We define it. You know, we give it a shape and a color. And then the next step is to, you know, do little things that'll, you know, smaller things that'll encourage over time that sense of confidence, such as having them come up, you know, in front of the class and demonstrate or to speak, you know, like little things yeah. like it seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash Richard Listens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash Richard Listens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports, all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. 
uh, you said so many things just in that, and, and it's really refreshing because, I mean, first thing, you know, people always ask, if, if you ask an Olympic athlete or Michael Phelps or Michael Jordan, there's still, there's no way to eliminate fear before a big game, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch uh, a little bit of The Last Dance on ESPN, but they go back, you know, to some of his games where he was, you know, lost to the Celtics or lost to the Pistons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't a positive feeling when you when you're losing and getting beat up, right? So this message that this illusion that even as a fighter, you wouldn't have something to overcome on the lead up to a fight. Everybody has something small uh, that they're working on and that gets triggered by their next big event, and that they have to face and overcome. It's a it's a constant process. But starting with with you know even raising your hand, I really like that because there's a, that fear of like uncertainty even as the hands start to come up you know yeah. you see <laughs> and just getting confidence as slow as hand raise usually <laughs> it's like it starts off here then like you're looking around like, apologetic i think i could do it <laughs> sometimes i'll just call them up you know because sometimes the fear is so predominant and you know, it's such a a strong presence in some people that they may want to do it there's a chance that they probably do it, but they won't even have, you know, the courage to raise a hand, even the littlest bit. So sometimes I just call them up, be like, hey, you, come up, you know, come up front. And they'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> I get so scared. But well, it's modeling, and it's modeling so many things. And then you said, you know, demonstrating, right? So you're demonstrating the, the movement, but you're also demonstrating that they can train in safety. Right. Nothing, yes. nothing bad is going to happen to them. Or if they do the, the move wrong, they're not going to get shamed or uh, right. There's a, there's a learning experience. Everything is corrective um, yeah. because to be a fighter, you have to fail. Right. I mean, in, a, in a, any given fight, how many of your moves are executed incorrectly? Exactly. And I think we, you know, we, we live in a time where, I mean, it may not just be now, it's probably for always for as long as we, can remember but we sensationalize glory and we sensationalize success but what we don't really put a lot of light on is what led to that success and what led to something being executed the way we wanted it to is that it took many hundreds or thousands of times of doing that same move taking that same free throw shot practicing that you know that, that same uh, sequence in the dance move whatever it is and whatever you do it's doing it a thousand times and not getting it right until, you know, eventually you do succeed. But all we do is we see the success. We see the game when it happens live. We see the fight when it happens, you know, live. But we don't see what goes on, you know, in the dark where people just fail, and fail, and fail until they succeed. We have to be okay with that. We have to fight through that fear of failure. That's right. That's right. And everybody wants to be the one who makes the winning shot. Uh, and, and they, they underestimate not only the physical work, but the emotional work. I have a picture of John Wooden over my shoulder, and I was reading in a book this weekend, you know, that he used to teach players at the first practice to tie their shoes. <laughs> so, you know, I, I kind of laugh at that, like, you know, most college-age men don't know to tie their shoes. But, you know, I think it was in this metaphor of, you know, you have to show up and be ready. And if you're not ready or if you have to take time to stop and tie your shoes, you're not going to be focused. So, you know, the, the power of preparation, the power of focus. Uh, and I know, uh, do, do your students wear belts? Yes. 
So the power, like tying your belt correctly, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> it's like the first thing tough. you do, right? Some of, them, some of them still don't know how to tie their belts. But that's my fault. I, 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 I try to teach them, sometimes just don't get it. It's pretty tough. It's not as simple as it is. How how are you noticing trends towards are are um are more and more women coming to fight to study and fight uh, in MMA? In your yeah, team? absolutely. Especially more so now, where it's pop, it's more popular. It's uh more it, it's more open. You know, there's definitely been that discussion about women in men's sports. But man, these women are are tough. And let me tell you, I was raised by women. Uh, you know, my father wasn't around. I didn't really have a male figure until the, the Shulmans, the, the Shulman brothers, Ronnie and Danny, they stepped into the picture. But I was raised by she-wolves, man. Women are tough. They're very resilient under pain and duress. And we live in a society where now it's very important, more now than ever, for women to know how to defend themselves. Because aside from obviously learning a life skill, such as self-defense, it's also empowering to women. And it's, you know, it's empowering for them to know something that it's cool, like martial arts, they know how to fight, they know how to, you know, choke a full man out, you know, who's twice or three times their size, you know, that's very empowering to a woman. And that goes yeah. a long way, that, that goes a long way with confidence as well. It's no different than how a child needs to have confidence in order, you know, to, to you know, for his, uh, for the development and his growth. Women also need confidence, you know, especially these days where there's a lot of crazy people out there. They need to know how to defend themselves. Yeah, and, and, and you know, when you look at body language, just the, the feeling within yourself that I can protect myself or when you see someone coming that you're already aware and, and thinking to your training is, is a lot different than sending a message of, uh, you know, fear or vulnerability. And sometimes that's enough to uh, deter an attacker right as they can feel that somebody uh knows what they're doing and uh is not afraid within themselves and same thing when, when it goes to bullying right in school it's not necessarily about hitting the bully it's about not fearing uh the bully uh internally yeah so right. how did these how did these wonderful wonderful uh she-wolves keep you on track so that you could make it to the you know <laughs> For all the women out there that are keeping kids uh, off the streets, um, you know, what, what was their secret? How did they keep you focused to get you to where you're at today? Um, I don't, I'm not sure if it's a secret. It's probably just, you know, just love. I can't, that's, that's, I'm sure something I can't fully say for myself, you know, because I'm not, I'm not a mom, I'm not a parent yet, but I'm sure as a mother, you're gonna, you know, your mama bear, you're gonna want to protect your, your child and you want them to be armed with this, you know, with the tools in life to succeed and do your best because that's all that's going to make them happy is to see their children succeed. So in my case, my mother pushed me and pushed me and pulled, you know, she pulled no punches. She was very always honest with me. She would smack me around metaphorically speaking, physically speaking <laughs> to like snap out of shit sometimes, you know, and she would always tell me how it is but it's because it came from love. It came from the fact that she just very wholeheartedly, there's nobody in this world that would want you to succeed and would be genuinely happy for your success than your own parents, you know? So That's beautiful. Yeah. Coming from love, but truth. Yes. Because there's love and then you're lying to the person because you know, for whatever reasons, you don't want to hurt them with the truth, but the truth has to hurt enough for you to make a change 
that's going to you know have a domino effect later on in your life for there to be success so what do we say to the sports parents right because i get a lot of parents in my office they're on the sideline they're trying to control the coach they're trying to control the sensei they're trying right there's so much of them in protecting or preventing their child from going through adversity uh you know what message can we kind of send right that 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 trial or that challenge may be the best thing for that particular I always remember, I get parents like that who sometimes want to step in and they're like, oh, they're so scared of, you know, their child going through these challenges. And I I get it, you know, I get it not as a parent because, you know, I'm I'm not a parent yet, but I get the the desire to want to step in and protect your child from falling, from trying to do that move or from feeling bad because maybe he just had not a good day of sparring. He was probably tearing up and crying, you know, so I, I understand it. What I, I always remember that, you know, in this world, when it comes to children, you can't child-proof the world. You have to world-proof your child. You have to arm them with the tools that later in life, when things really matter, when the choices that they make really matter, they're going to be strong enough to make the right choices. So we want for them to go through as much adversity as possible because adversity at a very minimal level when they're children they're going to go through it but understand that no matter how bad you feel for your kid going through that adversity now it'll be worse when they're older how are they going to deal with um with peer pressure when it comes to other kids telling them to do things you know that may not be good for them you know trying to push drugs on them trying to have them join gangs or to just do the wrong things they need to have gone through enough adversity for them to learn how to simply say no to the things that need to be said no to to say yes to the things that need to be said yes to, you know, and they have to trust the coaches as well. I think there has to be an element of trust as well, you know, between the parents and the coach or the instructor or, or you know, whoever in question. And when you trust them and understand, like, listen, I'm going to give you full reins, you, you know, you do your job and I'll do mine, then there will be now like a union. There's a partnership. It's like you're, we're tag teaming. You know, on the mat, I'm training your child to be tough, you know, to toughen themselves against this world. And at home and everywhere else, you know, you're being the parent and you're doing your job. And together we could conquer this, you know, this aspect of, you know, uh, adversity, um, of adversity, um, you know, leading to success later, to leading to strength later on in their lives. Yeah, it really, really does take a village and, and uh, the, the Richard Listens uh, guide crossing the threshold that hopefully will be out later in 2020. We're going to talk about, you know, it really takes a village, right? The power of your support system. And I like how you, you phrased it, Lyman, right? It's really a team. If the coach is reinforcing the parents' values and the parents reinforcing what the coaches are delivering, all of a sudden, you know, that athlete goes into battle with a lot more armors and shield uh then then when they have conflicting messages that that leads to a lot of confusion but uh you know hopping off uh you know lyman good the sensei and getting back to lyman good the fighter uh you have gone your fight with uh balal muhammad went from your home court uh to uh to vegas to florida and now to abu dhabi (laughs) How (laughs) how are you dealing with that uh is it a welcome vacation or is it is it like overwhelming um 
Yeah, we, you have to be able to micromanage the stresses of the constant changes because it is stressful. You know, I'm not gonna lie, but, but I told you it's not stressful, you know, because you're really preparing for something that is important. It, it is big, you know, it is, to, to that date, it is the most important fight of your career because you're only as good as your last fight. So there's such, um, you know, a, a, a pedestal being put towards your fight, but it's constantly being changed. You know, the uh, the schedule is being, you know, changed around. So there's this sense of, like, you know, no control. Like, you have no control over the changes that are happening. And I think that, you know, that need for control to know that, all right, on this day I'm fighting, this is the outcome I'm training for, this is what I want to happen, is also what's stressing a lot of the fighters. And I think there has to be just this element of, like, listen, I'm going to do my part and train and just, you know, train my ass off for whatever date, whatever place, I'll be ready, you know, I'll be ready no matter what. And that's pretty much been the mindset where I've had to adopt during these times, is just to say, you know what, like, screw it. It don't matter where I'm fighting, at the end of the day, the cage is all the same inside. My opponent is still the same opponent. The rules are all the same. There's certain elements to it that are exactly the same. And it doesn't matter where that fight is, and it doesn't matter when it is. I'll be ready for either one. If it's in a different environment like Abu Dhabi, would there be? Would you try and uh, adjust, get in early for sleep or climate or anything like that, or is it less of a factor since it's in the octagon? Yeah, there's there's certain physiological preparations, obviously depending on location. So if you're fighting somewhere with high altitude, you definitely want to go there ahead of time and adjust. Uh, in the case of maybe Abu Dhabi, with some climates where it's probably hotter, you might need some adjusting. You go early. You know, you just, that's what I mean. Like what you can control, you worry and spend your energy on that. And if they if they change the fights around, then all right, they change it. You know, what can we do? If they make it in Abu Dhabi, okay, no problem. I'll go there earlier and train a lot there. So I adjust, you know, to the time change and to the climate, you know, so you're right. But every, fighter's, every fighter's up against the same. Sorry? Every fighter's up yeah. against the same challenge with that. Yeah, I feel like we're all in the same boat when it comes to that. Amazing. And uh, we had some of uh, your fans wanting to know if you would uh, give a fight predictor for the upcoming uh, Tony Ferguson-Justin Gage fight. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, I like Ferguson. Uh, I'm giving I'm going to punch his chance to Gaethje. Man, he, he goes out there and puts it all on the line, you know, and he, he's got knockout power. He's got the ability to just – because he just doesn't give a shit, he'll go out there and just swing, knowing that it's do or die. So that kind of mindset is what you need to fight somebody like uh, Tony Ferguson. But I think distance-wise, the more the fight goes, like you know, Ferguson's got a gas tank on him, and uh, he gets more and more, you know, more bold as the fight goes, more violent as the fight goes. You know, so I'm very interested myself to see how that fight goes. I'm excited for it. Yeah, really a unique, unique element is that, right, no matter who your opponent is, that that one really good strike, uh, you know, can end it. Uh, so the, the, the awareness of uh, what, the, what their tendencies are and uh, what they like to go to has to be part of part of the preparation. Yeah, it's preparing for the unknown, for the known, for, for everything. You know, there's so much that... Um, you know, there's so much you don't know going out to fight that 
part of the preparation of a fight is to just go out there and just do your best, not worry about, you know, being in control of everything possible because in MMA, all it takes is one punch, you know, so you just got to go out there, just fight your ass off, do your best, leave it all on the line. So I know, I know in the past, I've been dying to ask you, uh, you've talked about uh, sleeping in the cage to prepare leading up to a fight. Uh, yeah. is, that, is that part of the regular lead up or is that, uh, uh, you know, oh. only on certain <laughs> occasions? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, for this guy right here with the Bellator tournament. Um, I spent the good, back then the Bellator tournament, um, we were fighting every month, every 30 days pretty much. So for three months I spent um, sleeping, I spent three months sleeping at my gym and my coach said, you know, why don't you sleep inside the cage? Start getting territorial, start getting that mindset, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> you know, it'll, it all makes sense to me, you know, cause it's like a dog who gets territorial inside his cage. And then you put another dog inside that cage with him. He's gonna, he's gonna try to fight for what's his, you know? So I think. It really gives out a primal sense of ownership and territory. Yeah. For your space. Yeah, absolutely. There's that. And there's also just knowing, you know, that you're doing everything you possibly can, even on an unconventional level, that while your opponent is sleeping in the comfort of his own home and bed, you're sleeping inside a damn cage for three months. And, you know, that trigger, you know, when you step into that cage and you look across and you see your opponent, you think that, and it's like, it's almost like you're, you're asking yourself, like, how dare you? How dare you step in this cage with me? You know, so you need that kind of like mindset, you know, that territorial mindset, that you know, that killer mentality. So, you know, that that to me is why sleeping in the cage helped during that tournament. It's just it, it tweaked my mindset in a very very uh, unique way. Uh, but that was that was priceless, yeah. So the, you know, the the message to yourself, right? What what are the messages we're sending ourselves, and and why we do work with athletes on you know affirmations, right? And how bad do you want it that you're willing to do absolutely anything and everything? And how much does that come in? You know, how much of uh, fatigue, how much of right, not even allowing the possibility of giving up when you are in the middle of a fight comes back to that training. I think of it as when, you know, I, I use a lot of soldier references, military references, you know, because it is, it is, you know, in essence, it's, you know, do or die, it's, you know, life or death for them. So one of the things I think of is in the darkest moment of what you're training for or what you're about to do, you always go back to your why. You always reach in your back pocket and you know, it's very sense. Any kind of, uh, you know, keywords your corner will say to you that for you particularly will, like, 
ignite, you know, like, you know, you hear a lot of uh, like positive, assertive self-talk, you know, like, you know, finish or, or champ, anything you hear that's like, <laughs> gives a shot of dopamine to kind of keep going. <laughs> um, there's not one thing in specific. There's just the, um, I don't know. Every fight is a little different. My coaches, they kind of, they just know me, so they know how to, you know, um, get in my head in between the rounds. It also depends on the fight because, you know, there has to be the sense of honesty in the corner. But, you know, like, you're, you're behind, you know, you, you didn't win this round or you're doing good, you're doing good, let's do that again. You know, so it's a little different with every fight. But in general, there's just this, almost like a, a sense of like a, a race. You know, the, my coaches just put it, they, they lay it out on the line as time that's left. Time that we can never get back. They say, you know, okay, after the first round, okay, you did great that round. We have uh, 10 minutes left. Okay, 10 minutes for you to feel amazing about yourself, to feel glory, to feel that, you know, so proud of yourself. Or in 10 minutes, you're going to feel bad. You're going to feel, you're going to feel terrible. You'll feel like you didn't put it out out there. You know, so that'll get me motivated. I go out there, I come back. There's only one round left, right? Then, okay, we're not sure we won that round. You only got five minutes now to decide. You know, so they kind of use that whole element of They give you a bigger, the, bigger perspective of seeing the whole fight. Yeah. That's instead, of, instead of, you know, uh, pushing forward and working towards, it's what's left. You know, how much time we got left for there to have, for there to be that, uh, the, you know, the, the award. The award is either you feel great or you feel like shit. And my coaches just leave it out. They explain it to me in that sense. They say, right. When you break it down into increments, right? Like just like in a workout, right? One more round or, right? You know, when, when you give yeah. somebody a shorter term goal, they can push themselves. Okay, I can push myself for five more minutes. I can push myself. You know, they like have to get to that place of yes, of I can, uh, when, when their body's starting to tell them they can't. Uh, Lyman, chunking. good. Yeah. That's called chunking. You get uh, a lot of endurance uh, athletes who they utilize that tactic. They'll take obviously the long goal of, you know, the miles and miles of grueling, you know, running, swimming, and all that stuff, triathlons, you know, you know all that that they're doing for long periods of time. They just chunk it over a smaller period of time because you can say yes to another minute. Then after a minute, can we do another minute? Yes. After that minute goes by, can I do another minute? Yes. So when you chunk things into the smaller pieces, you know, pretty much like you said, it makes it more attainable as far as a goal. But if you think too far ahead, you're like, oh man, I got another, you know, <laughs> another hour of this, you know, I got a whole, this whole lake ahead of me on, and I got to ride my, you know, ride the bike for, you know, these amount of miles, then yeah, it's grueling. You know, but if you can just compartmentalize and then chunk things into smaller pieces, it's more bearable. And you'd be surprised to see how far you can push yourself when you look back and realize how, how many increments you've uh, passed already, you, you uh, succeeded through. Right. And you know from your training that you've already done it, right? You've already kept going uh, yeah. and, and you see the whole the whole picture come together. Uh, Lyman, good. I'm, I'm so grateful for your time. We're, we're so thankful, your fans, that, that you uh, not only uh, overcame and fought through Corona, but you're willing to stand in front of it and come out and 
and reduce the stigma for a lot of athletes in, in all the different sports right now that are home in transition. Can't wait to get back out there. Uh, please share with uh, our listeners how people can get a hold of you and begin to follow you and uh, find out all the details wherever the next fight may be. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on social media under Lyman Good MMA. And on Facebook, just you can find me under Lyman Good. Um, and, you know, I do want to put out the message as we first started, you know, this the, the podcast by saying anybody who feels like they need, you know, someone to talk to during these times, um, anyone who knows someone going through it, they need, you know, assistance and they're just afraid to ask other people. You guys could all reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to help, whether it's just someone to talk to, you know, someone uh, mentally help you get through it or to, you know, share some of the stuff that I did and some of the Russian remedies my girlfriend put me through to beat this virus. <laughs> Those sound grueling right themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you can find me under Lyman Good MMA pretty much on Twitter and on Instagram and then on Facebook, just Lyman Good. And we'll have uh, photos of uh, Lyman, including uh, some of his pictures with his championship belts and the promos leading up. Uh, we'll put in the show notes all his contact uh, information and uh, hopefully information on the upcoming uh, fight. Uh, to, to all my listeners, thank you again. Uh, Richard Listens, Instagram. Uh, check out my patreon.com uh, slash Richard Listens for advanced content, including clips. Uh, some of the real nuggets that uh, Lyman dished out today. And uh, we appreciate all of you uh, staying in tune and relevant during this crisis and how you're managing the quarantine and overcoming it and responding with resilience and opportunity. Uh, Lyman, how can we find, uh, is there going to be a way for, for students to join in to the upcoming workouts or is that uh, for Tiger well, students only? That Yeah, that's going to be reserved for my students. Um, again, they could, they could also, so on TSK.com, we do have a series of online classes that, uh, that are open to anybody who wants to, you know, follow along and train and do some at-home training. But as far as the Zoom classes, I'm reserving that specifically for my guys, my students, you know, but it doesn't mean you guys can't be, you know, part of our training. Like I said before, just go to TSK.com. You can also reach out to me. On my social media, if you guys are interested in joining those Zoom classes, I'd be more than happy to get some more details on how to do that. It's amazing. It's more yeah. loud right now. So. It's okay. Yeah, there we've been, we've been lucky. There's less less fire engines. I hope things in New York are calming down as we uh, attempt to reduce this curve. And uh, I know it's been challenging being in quarantine, and uh, we we can't wait to follow you leading up to the the next fight. And uh, have they announced a date, or, or when do they? We haven't, you know, we haven't made an official date, but um, it, it looks like the time frame that I am aiming for is uh, mid-June. I want to say at some point in mid-June. But I'll be, having, I'll be hearing pretty soon, because my management is talking with the UFC right now. And um, as soon as I find out, you will all be the first to know about it. That we'll post and share and, uh, you know, keep this thing going. Keep basically another analogy of you know of we have to move forward you know and show to the world that listen you know, shit happens but we have to just stay resilient be mentally tough and just keep moving forward that's what that's i intend right. to do that's beautiful thank you so much Lamia. sports so much a part of our psyche our culture our ethic 
and without it, uh, you know, uh, tremendous grief and loss. And it's been great uh, to identify, uh, you know, hitting the books, uh, looking at other areas of our skills to build up. But there's just nothing like um, when they when they wave that green flag and let us get back out there and play. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> and there'll well, be a little you, bit Lyman. of time that it'll take. You know, even when things are okay, we do get that green light. There's going to be a little bit of time that it'll take until we are 100% normal. But, you know, in time, I think in time, we just have to be optimistic and just know that this will pass. And, you know, little by little, we'll regain a sense of normalcy very soon. That's true. Are you, are you uh, preparing for that, that maybe there'll be less uh, fans allowed in or uh, things like that in, in the initial fight? Uh, in regards to fighting? Yeah, social distancing and things like that. You mentioned some of the changes that might come up. Um, yeah, they might put a limit to how many people are at the arena and stuff. But, um, in, you know, we live, we live in an era of social media right now. So we may be physically social distancing from one another. But, you know, so, but during times like this, we're getting more and more in touch with each other through social media. We're using these outlets, you know, which is a beautiful thing during these times. So I think even if physically I can't be around people and fans and students, you know, I'm, we're definitely in contact with social media, which is, a, you know, a huge plus for us right now during these times. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you for highlighting that. I know I've done more podcasts in the, in the month of April than I think I had done in the previous yeah. 11 months combined. It's the power of people staying connected, reaching out, using these tools, these technology to train, to stay connected to be support to other people who may be going through fear, stigma, uh, and could be needing their next tools and steps to become resilient and yeah. overcome everything they've just gone through in the last few months. Uh, it's now available and accessible. So uh, thank you for, for using this platform to do that and sharing time with me today and my listeners. And uh, we look forward to uh, every step leading up to the fight and uh, all the work you do, mentoring and training young athletes. Thank you, Richard. Appreciate your time and thank you for what you're doing too. Spreading the gospel. Very important. <laughs> Appreciate you. Preach on. Preach on. I always had a spiritual quality to my sports following. Yes, sir. I thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash Richard Listens or Instagram Richard Listens. Uh, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. <laughs> Thank you for all you tuning in. I'm Richard Listens. On behalf of Lyman Good, I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, injitsu.com. 
providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash Richard Listens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash Richard Listens. Take care, everyone.